to the Benton County Public Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Benton County Government, at your service every day. Benton County is a great place to live and work. For more information about Benton County and a career with Benton County, visit co.benton.or.us. At Benton County, we do strive to be transparent. We welcome your feedback. The community can always feel free to reach out to pioinfo at bentoncountyor.gov with questions or feedback. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center with Director Allison Hobgood, and we'll also visit with some others who work at or otherwise get support from the Drop-In Center. The Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center, or CDDC, is a community-based resource hub that provides information, referral, and direct services for people experiencing homelessness and poverty in Benton County and beyond. The CDDC is a nonprofit navigational hub. It's a 501c3 where people from different organizations work together to support individuals in our community who are especially vulnerable. This cross-sector collaboration supports a more coordinated response to homelessness in Benton County. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss what the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center is doing to help the community, why that work is important for individuals experiencing homelessness or housing insecurity, and we're going to hear about their future aspirations for a full-service homeless navigation center. I'm Dan Crawl. I'm the producer and co-host of today's edition of the Benton County Public Podcast. Among our guests today, we have Dr. Allison Hobgood, who is the executive director of the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center. We are also joined by Corey Grogan, who is the public information officer for Benton County. And Allison, we would like to thank you for taking the time to uh, visit with us today and give us more information about the CDDC. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you coming down, and um, I appreciate all the work that's going to go into sending this out into the community. So thank you. So in your words, how would you describe the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center? Um, sure. So the center is our, our motto is that we're a place where needs are met. And um, you said a little bit about this, um, so I won't be redundant, but we're um, the only local uh, daytime community resource and navigation center in uh, for folks who are experiencing um, homelessness and poverty in the Tri-County area. We started in 2002 as a peer support center for people with mental health disabilities. And one of our main goals um, is to reduce the social exclusion and stigma um, and isolation that can so often come with being poor. And we really, one of our main goals is to bring people together in a safe community where they can receive information, they can get direct referrals, um, and they can also get direct navigational services that meet them wherever they are in their life journey. Where are you all located? We are at 530 Southwest 4th Street, and that's in downtown Corvallis. Oh, kind of near the corner of Western? Western and 4th. We're between um, the food trucks. Uh, we have wonderful neighbors, um, and they're so kind to us, and they're, they're lovely humans. And the food trucks are on one side, and the other side is Taco Cell Machine and Smith Glass. So. What are your hours? 
Um, we are here from 9 to 2 every day, Monday through Friday. We're closed on weekends. We are um, uh, open on holidays, so if you're listening to this podcast and you need support and this, it's a holiday and it's Monday through Friday, come on down. We'll be there. Um, we are available for walk-up, walk drop-in services between 9 and 12, and then from 12 to 2 is one-to-one -one social service appointments, though you can also make an appointment during our walk-in hours, too. I imagine you all have a number of sources of funding. What are some of the ways that this place continues to operate? Well, we're we're really thankful for a, a n numerous um, incredible donors who have supported Drop-in Center for years, and a lot of folks um, who have started to find out more about us in the you know in the um, the last couple of years since I've been working here as, as the executive director. And so, thanks to shout out to our donors um, who are just great people who are, um, you know, supporting our efforts every day. Um, a lot of people also give in kind to the center. And so um, we really are thankful for all the things that come in the door, whether that's shelter supplies or the needs that we have in Project Action. Um, I also, part of my role is a grant writer. So we're funded um, through diverse mechanisms on the, the grant front. So um, foundations, also public funding through um, you know public government entities like uh, the city and the county. So um, we've got a really wide array of ways that we try and keep doing what we're doing from a fiscal standpoint. And from what I understand, it would really be beneficial to the center if you could get an expansion, if you could grow into more space and have more resources available for people who use your services. Yes, we're in a, a, a rather small building that's only 2,200 square feet. And one of the needs that um, we're trying to attend to in expansion as well would be for kind of respite um, sheltering. Uh, and what I mean by that is we, we have folks who come to the center after they've been at, let's say, uh, the state hospital, and they are really, really stable, and they need some time to, to stay stable and be able to um, figure out what their next steps are. And so to be able to take folks who are guests of the center as a day resource, but also allow them to be able to be in shelter here and have sort of wraparound supports, um, I think it could be a really um, powerful piece of the shelter, emergency sheltering puzzle that we already have going um, in, in Bend County. Charlotte Osuji and I come to the drop-in center a year ago because I was homeless I was living in my car I didn't have anywhere to go and in that process of a year um, within the, the last few months I have been working for the CDD help program I'm now housed of three weeks and um, even at home like since I'm new in there and if I don't have enough for groceries that week I can come down here and at least know I have breakfast or I can take a sandwich from here to work because with the whole help program I work kind of through here as well so they've really changed they've really really made a big impact in my life yeah, and you, you talked a little bit about how it's been important for you to be just be able to connect with people. Um, can you speak a little bit more to that part of it? Of course, I, I look a little unique. Um, I got face tattoos, and I would go and I would get hired onto jobs over the phone. And as soon as they see me, they'd be like, "Look, we have visual standards." You know what I mean? 
and Allison uh, and Sarah and the HELP program um, have, they've helped me to be able to, for people in the community and the work people have seen me out and legitimately been doing good job, like good job um, with the jobs that I'm given. And so it's how, like helped my employment uh, ethic, my, and it, it's also helped um, just being able to speak with people and hearing their different things. It makes me feel grateful too that I have the opportunity. Uh, their CDDC is my backbone right now. Tell me some of the other uh, things that you enjoy about coming here. You could be having a bad day and you go up to the window here and they always greet you with a smile. The coffee's the best in town. That'll change everything for your day. You know, some people come down here and legitimately they'll start out with a bad day and then they see other people, you know, and uh, just community, togetherness, and people working together. And it's, I think it's gotten a lot better even in just this year that I've been here. So, what, is it, what does it feel like to have a place to, to stay now? First, I got into my house. I, I lost my home due to a house fire three years ago. So, like, being in this apartment, being outside for so long, the first night the refrigerator kicked on, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, someone's coming in, you know. But um, I'm adjusting to it, and I got two little dogs that were on the street with me as well. So um, it's – I'm grateful for it. I'm adjusting, and I have a locked door now. I have a shower. I'm able to cook my own food. So um, it's a blessing that I definitely am going to try not to take for granted. They got me a housing, emergency housing voucher here, and it just took a little while. Like, I think a total of three months, and I was housed. And it's just um, hard work, and um, I give it out to, to CDDC and the people. Like, they, they really are making a big impact on the houseless community, I believe. As far as I've come, like the energy and the spirit here, I, I'm gonna. There's nothing that can stop me now. I'm inside, you know, and I'm already, already now have my face out in the community, and I, I now am having people even from here volunteers asking me to come and do their weeding, and so it's just more job opportunities, and I'm grateful for it. everyone's responsibility to help prevent human-caused wildfires. It's important to practice basic wildfire safety while visiting Oregon's scenic areas and have awareness of weather conditions, restrictions, and wildfire prevention activities around the state. Prepare your home by creating defensible space. Help prevent wildfires when you're out and about, at home, or at work. Have an emergency plan and know your evacuation levels. 
Sign up for local emergency alerts and warnings at oralert.gov and learn more about how to prevent wildfire at keeporegongreen.org. This message has been brought to you by Benton County. One of the things that is so useful about a navigational center and that would an expansion, you know, would also allow for more of is that we're able to bring service providers into one space where they can talk to each other, where um, folks can meet with multiple service providers about multiple things at, in, you know, in one shot. So you don't have to run around to different locations, especially locations that maybe you feel less comfortable at. Um, in fact, just today, uh, I had a, a colleague from the uh county who said oh i just was looking for that person and it turned out she was sitting right there meeting with somebody else and so it's really um, powerful to have a space where you can um, get get humans together to do good things and so um, an expansion would allow us to do that i think even more effectively and successfully either upstairs in the refrigerator or in storage You're listening to the Benton County Public Podcast. The date of this recording is August 30th of 2023. Coming to the end of summertime, we are outside of the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center. This is Dan Crawl, and I am joined by Corey Grogan, who is Benton County's Public Information Officer. We are walking around and meeting some of the folks who benefit from the services here at the Drop-In Center with Dr. Allison Hobgood. How's it going, Corey? Oh, it's going well, Dan. Great to be here today. This is an excellent opportunity to look at a great resource uh, for our community. We have a bunch of folks here that are just um, relaxing and interacting with each other and taking a break and being able to utilize the resources that the Daytime Drop-In Center provides. Right now we are joined by Allison, who is the Executive Director of the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center, or CDDC. How's it going? Good. Great day today. We're excited you all are here. Thanks so much. Can you describe what's going on? Sure. So um, it's Wednesday, so there's a lot happening at the center, which is always exciting. Um, We have a daily healing arts program, and so some folks are out here painting on a tapestry and um, doing sort of uh, multi- multimedia I guess art projects we've got some people drawing with chalk Um, lots of friends visiting with one another Wednesdays uh, we also have care coordinators from Samaritan who are here uh, and also Benton County Health Navigators helping people get plugged into the resources that they need Um, folks over here are waiting in line to access uh, food and um, to visit with our volunteers who are wonderful people who help out every single day here at the center 
what kind of work do the volunteers perform who are inside? Uh, they are our hospitality agents, so they tend to um, just chat with guests, check in with them, ask them how they're doing, and, um, and make sure that they get well-fed and feel like they're really welcome here. You mentioned there's also care coordinators from Samaritan. What kind of care specifically are they here to offer? So they're able to help folks um, to schedule appointments with um, their uh, primary care physicians. They help set up things like RideLine to make sure that people are able to get to their medical appointments. And they tag team with the county health navigators, uh, who are fabulous, and um, are able to get people enrolled in Oregon Health Plan so that then they can get the care coordination that they need. So it's a multi-step process, and it's nice to have the service providers here um, you know, together and at the same time. How many volunteers do you have on average here? Um, we have about 50 volunteers total, um, but some of those are uh, part of our street outreach program. So the other thing that happened today was that folks came in the morning and they went directly out. They went directly out to encampments. Um, thank you, Jeannie, to meet with people actually literally where they are um, in, in their tent communities and check in with them and see what kind of resources they need and encourage them to come to the center. So yeah, here's where our folks are walking up to um, a walk-up window, um, which was a kind of COVID conversion to keep everybody safe, but it's actually worked really, really well um, because we're able to, to use all of our outdoor space as well as our indoor space. But people are coming up to the window, chatting with volunteers, checking in, um, getting... Today we've got uh, a community member brought us uh, some sack lunches, and we've got sandwiches that we make every day. There are bowls of cereal and oatmeal, so we try and keep people... Uh, fed with yummy things. Do we have rice cakes? They're in the store closet. Do I have to go all the way upstairs to get them? You're, yeah, I will get them for you. I'll make Roberta go get them. You gotta be rice cakes. Specifically rice cakes. about fentanyl? Fentanyl is a powerful opioid that has made its way into the illegal drug supply. Fentanyl has no taste or smell and is being sold as common pills or in party drugs. Just a tiny amount can stop your breathing in seconds. Naloxone is a medication to reverse opioid overdose and can help save lives. It is available at no cost to certain individuals. Benton County Health Department wants everyone to learn more about fentanyl, naloxone, and ways to stay safe. You can type fentanyl aware Benton County into your search engine to learn more. That's F-E-N-T-A-N-Y-L-A-W-A-R-E in Benton County. You're listening to the Benton County Public Podcast, and we are joined right now at the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center by Alita Hass-Holcomb. She is the board president of the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center and has been involved in this effort for quite some time. 
How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Good to see you. How involved are you nowadays in, as far as the day-to-day operations here at the drop-in center? Well, I seem to come at least once or twice a day. Um, since my granddaughter was born, my uh, son said I have to be more careful of face-to-face because not everyone's been vaccinated. But um, I come. I wear my mask when I need to. But I'm here in the mornings to bring food uh, for the uh, food that we provide, and that's a lot of it. Plus, uh, the mail is a big part of what I do, is helping to keep that on track. Right. The center does provide a mail service for yes. people who use its services. Probably, um, we see, last year I think we saw over 600 people. I don't think we get mail for everyone, but we get a lot of mail even for people who we haven't got registered, and that oftentimes has to be sent back if it's been here for a couple months. The people who send it need to know. And you have been involved with this effort since at least 2002. And what would you say about um, how the effort has evolved and come along throughout the years? I think the biggest factor in evolving it in a positive direction has been the ability to hire Allison Hopkins as an executive director. Before that, we had no paid staff, and um, she was uh, brought on through grants, and uh, we love it. And since then, she's helped us to get staff that we can pay, and that improves the ability of the, the work that we can do for folks. What's your favorite part about the work uh, and services provided here? I think the best part is making relationship. And, you know, because our efforts aren't always, quote, successful by the definitions of many people, but they are successful in my view because relationships are being formed and that's the beginning of everything. I think everybody who comes has the opportunity to benefit in a lot of ways. Probably the most obvious is that if someone's hungry, we have food here. And then we also supplement what Vina Moses can do with clothing, lots of socks. Um, And we have um, now, thanks to Allison, some folks that can do more case management. We also have a person that we hire to see folks in a counseling capacity a couple times a week. So anybody who wants that kind of help to move their lives in a different direction, we're here for them too. And in the amount of time that you've spent working with the unhoused community in this area, is it often that you see people that you have helped and they come up to you and say, hey, do you remember me? And they've they've changed, they're, they're back on their feet. Well, I see a lot of people that I've met, and they all like to say hi. And many people have uh, moved forward and um, on their feet or on a bike or in a car or wherever. But it's, it's just a mixed bag, and moving forward for everybody sort of has different um, measurements. But we've seen people move from the rough camping to housing, and that's probably the biggest leap that the community measures. Allison is joining us up here as well. Allison really wanted us to speak with you. Thank you. I did. Alita is um, an amazing person and also has done so much for the center and um, has also supported me so much in my role here and um, as a mentor and just as a other mother who has taught me about the world. So, yeah, the other mother role is really fun. Yeah. And I get to be the other grandmother, too, for two beautiful young ladies. 
That's right. I was thinking back to when I first started, which was in um, right when the pandemic hit, and Elia and I were standing kind of downstairs at the drop-in center, and she looked at me and she said, well, if we can do this, we can do anything. <laughs> and she was totally right. And, and we, we are. We're, we're here. We're here. How did the pandemic affect things around here? Well, we never closed our doors and we showed up every day and we offered all of our services and resource, resource connections. Um, the community partners who could still come, who are allowed to, to work, could work. Hey, Greg. Hey. How are you? Hey. What we're doing right now, we have a sort volunteer who's just returned from street outreach. We we are always welcome um, welcoming more volunteers at the center proper, and then also with our street outreach teams. We've got team leads um, for street outreach who are folks who've been doing outreach for a long time, um, and or our service providers in the community. Um, and then we've also got you know newer folks or folks who will come and do it for a while, or maybe have jobs and um, will come in and out. But it's really wonderful to have people be able to go directly out to encampments what is your name my name is alvin and what do you do here i'm just a volunteer twice a week i um one of the team leads for the street outreach how long have you been doing that a little over a year and a half what did you do today specifically um we primarily handed out water a canned food did the coffee and oatmeal with people Uh, that's how we get them talking to us most of the time uh, we handed out some supplies, first aid kits, and sanita- or hygiene kits, a lot of trash bags. Uh, I'm trying to think what else we had. A little bit of everything. Uh, depends upon what we're carrying. People always need everything, and usually more than we can carry. Al- Alvin has um, been helping to supply the center with first aid kits that we especially take out on street outreach, too. So it's really nice to be able to give people what they need to you know, address wounds and do wound care and a little bit of ibuprofen if you got a headache or what have you. So we talked about relationship building. So I think that's one of the major things. And you didn't mention that, but that's no, what you all I did today. We do a lot of that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just part given that we're out there um, yeah, making contact with the people, that. letting them know somebody cares. And we try to get out there on a regular basis so they know when to expect this. It was you and Alvin today working as Alvin a team? Alvin and I together, yes, yes. He, he was the lead, and I was following him and learning along as meeting people as we were going. We're super grateful for you guys. Thank you so much. My name is Sarah. I'm an alcohol and drugs peer support specialist, so I help people um, get hooked up with uh treatment or groups for support or uh, just try to get them out of what they're in and show them that it's possible to have a better life without that. So how does that how does that make you feel on a personal level to be able to do that kind of work or help somebody out? It makes me feel wonderful because I'm a recovering alcoholic with 12 years of sobriety and I just got two people into uh, detox yesterday which is not easy because the beds are so hard to come by, um, especially with Oregon Health Plan insurance instead of private insurance. And that always makes a big difference about how fast you can get treatment, unfortunately. The other half of my job is a program called the HELP program, which stands for the Homeless Employment Launching Project. 
and we help hook people up in the community with folks in uh, our guests who want to work. So it could be landscaping, cleaning gutters, putting up Christmas lights, all kinds of uh, projects they have and don't get to. Do you feel like um, getting a job can really be a game changer for some of these folks who are struggling? Absolutely, because not only do they give get cash, of course, they get a feeling that they can do it that now. That it's just a feeling of um, triumph that they've made a step that is uh, maybe they haven't done for a very long time and can start a, a job history. Um, and, it, and it's wonderful to see that they just kind of bloom when when they get a job. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way to give a person a sense of purpose. Yes, absolutely. And they appreciate it very much. Uh, you know, our clothes are donated mostly. Uh, when we can, we give them more clothes so they don't mess up whatever clothes they may have. And uh, make sure they have some shoes or boots and gloves. Um, I wish we had money for uh, hats and scarves and things that uh, both guard from the sun and the cold. It works pretty well for both. We pay them, the, the employer pays eighteen fifty an hour and uh, we pay the worker sixteen fifty an hour. Those other two dollars go to workers comp to protect the worker and make sure they have adequate medical help if they need it. And then we also pay a dollar to our accounting office which uh, handles their pay that they get from the HELP program, takes out their uh, whatever uh, taxes are needed or child support or any of that, and they pick up a check every two weeks, and some people have uh, opened a checking account, which is a first for them. Yeah, it's really nice to see. How long have you been helping people out with this? Ooh, eight years. Eight years now. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> the whole time for the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. We had an office um, in Madison Square for a little while, and then it really made sense to move the health program here to where the people are that need it. People in Corvallis can be very supportive, and people who have the means in Corvallis to help can also be very judgmental and uh, hurtful to not understand that there are people who don't want to be in a homeless situation. They don't want to be here. Um, the circumstances are beyond your belief about what some of these folks have been through as kids. So yeah, it's. I want to be proud of Corvallis and I love it here and uh, we can do better. That's an important point and there is a lot of disparity in our community and just getting to know Know what people are going through on a personal level can make a big difference sometimes. And, of course, finding housing isn't an easy thing. Generations older than mine had it a lot easier when it came to buying a home or even just paying the rent. Yes, and, and there's a lot of building going on, but it's pretty much aimed at college kids that can afford to rent those places um, and low-income housing is pretty darn hard to come by, and it's on lists for quite some time. Um, but I have seen people who have gotten jobs and now have apartments, and um, so it, it can work. It can work. We just need to be here for them. 
Ted, I heard you making a comment. You said two years? Uh, One to two years for a lot of affordable housing complexes in the area, yes. And that rent is still about $800 a month for a single bedroom. And when you're waiting, each day uh, probably feels longer than your average day if you are unhoused. I have several people who have completely forgotten they applied to those places when they come up on the wait list, yes. We are currently in the front office of the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center, and we are joined by Ted Helson. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you do as a basic needs navigator? So I help people with basically any issues that they're facing. Um, A lot of what we do is referring out here, uh, but if somebody is just having some issues with some paperwork that they need to turn in, or if they need a new uh, state ID or driver's license, um, I can help them with that. Uh, I'm learning how to help people apply for Social Security benefits, um, so SSI and SSDI, uh, and I also help people get into housing. Um, I'm helping some folks with emergency housing vouchers right now and just jumping through all those wacky hoops that you have to jump through when you're homeless or impoverished or have a lot of mental health issues. What do you find is often some of the biggest barriers for folks with just getting these basic needs covered or at least addressed? A lot of it is communication from agencies. Um, It feels like a lot of social service agencies in Corvallis aren't as connected as we could be when it comes to trying to connect people with each other's services. Um, And communication from agencies with the people themselves is really poor. Um, A lot of communication from like the housing authority is solely through mail. And when you don't have a permanent residence, Um, it's really difficult to pick up your mail every day and keep on top of notifications and um, things with deadlines and all that sort of good stuff. In theory, if some of these resource providers were um, co-located, could that be beneficial? I think if they were in the same building, that could be great. Um, I think also just Um, more opportunities to connect, um, more opportunities to sit down in meetings together and talk about specific overlapping clients, um, and a lot of programs that um, uh, other agencies don't know about or don't have the full story on. I have a few people who work for different social service agencies where a lot of our communication is just correcting each other (laughs) when we hear that they gave somebody the wrong info about our program or vice versa. Um, So just finding ways to fill those gaps and um, giving people the right information and getting them connected as efficiently as possible to the help they need. Um, Any sort of solution for that would be great. For someone who is homeless or housing insecure, in your view, what is the most important thing you can do for someone in that situation? Anything you can. feeding them if you have food, um, giving them money if if you don't and they need food or something else with money. Um, I think giving them housing is the obvious answer, but it's also the most difficult thing to give someone in in today's world. My dad has been unhoused since I was little, chronically off and on, and it feels really, really fulfilling to be able to help people in a way that I couldn't help him as a little kid. So, yeah, um, I love when I see our guests get housed and they give me a big hug (laughs) and and thank me when it was really them doing all the work just by showing up and and jumping through all the hoops that are easier for me to jump through as a housed person.
You're listening to the Benton County Public Podcast. This is Dan Crawl, and I am joined by Allison Hobgood, the Executive Director of the CDDC, and we have a recipient of CDDC services with you. Um, this is Allison, yes, and this is my friend Amanda, and uh, we're glad you're here, Amanda. Thank you so much for being willing to talk about your your journey and our friendship and our relationship through the center. Well, when I first came here and met Allison, I was not a good person. I had the cops called on me every day, and the drop-in center refused to give up on me. And, and you were a good person. They just refused to give up on me. I got counseling through CDDC, and I have been sober for the last two years. I finally got housing. I have been in housing for a year. And it's just, you know, it's been great. Um, My biggest thing, though, that I would like to see with the drop-in center is our vision. The things that, you know, we're trying to do is we need to expand. Like, we really need to expand. For people that are transitioning into housing and people who are trying to stay sober, and, you know, some of these people have been outside for so long that they don't even know how to be inside. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to deal with neighbors. They don't know even what it's like to sleep in a bed, what it's like to be behind a locked door or how to be indoors and it gets lonely for some people because they're so used to always being around so much activity. I think a real need would that we could fill would be to have folks who are on staff and ideally are people who have been unhoused and have moved indoors to be liaisons and touch points and you know ongoing like um, checker inners and because all the things that you just said are so true and sometimes um, if you don't have active case management you get into housing and it feels like now you're just kind of stuck there randomly and alone at least this is what folks tell me so yeah I'm really glad that you brought that up yeah I mean even though I've been in my house for a year now it's like it's kind of tiring doing the same thing every day You know, and when I go out, I go to our parks and it's like I see the same thing every day. And I know there's a need for our homeless people and they don't have anywhere to go. The shelters are getting shut down and everything is trashed. And it's like there's no one out there who are helping these people, showing them how to live, being there, helping them get sober. And then some of these people, you know, that have gone to jail or have gone to places or who have been in housing, there is no support system who are there for them to help them try and stay sober. So what do they automatically go back to? What do you feel like really empowered you the most or was most meaningful for you to actually make that leap and um, be able to make a a real positive change for yourself. I haven't told anybody this story. I had a near-death experience. Um, I had never shot up in my life, and I tried it once, and I had this experience where I heard my mom, who has already gone to heaven, 
talking to me and they told me that I wasn't going to make it, that that door was closing on me and that I was going to be left behind. And that's what woke me up. Yeah. One of the things that for me is such a gift of the drop-in center is that there are these beautiful relationships and friendships that form as we journey together. And I'm so grateful to, to have Amanda as a friend now. And when Amanda first came, you know, it, it, like you said, it was hard a couple of days, but, but we, we just stuck it out. And, um, you know, when I, people are like, Oh, what's your job? Like, I'm like, it's not a job. I get to go see people who I love and who love me back. And we get to be together in community and support each other. And, um, I, I went through cancer last year and, um, uh, Amanda was a, a person who always checks in on me and, you know, this isn't like a, a service center, right? It's a community of people being together and loving each other. And I just feel so lucky to be here and I can't thank you enough for your friendship. Thank you, Miss Allison. <laughs> for the people who are listening, whatever it is in your life, it may be addiction or you may be in that dark space, just don't give up. The drop-in center is here. I just wanted to say that. The Corvallis Daytime Drop-in Center is located at 530 Southwest 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. They are a community-based resource hub providing information, referral, and direct services for people experiencing homelessness and poverty in Benton County and beyond. To learn more about the center, their list of services, and ways you can benefit, help, or otherwise be involved, their website is corvallisddc.org. That's corvallisddc.org. Their phone number is 458 458- Two three three five three two seven. This episode was recorded on August thirtieth, twenty twenty three, at the Corvallis Daytime Drop In Center. Thanks for joining us on episode five of the Benton County Public Podcast. Our executive producer and today's co-host is Corey Grogan. Our theme music was written and composed by Doug Sowers. I'm Dan Crawl, producer, host, and writer of the Benton County Public Podcast. Join us for our next episode when we will talk about another topic the Benton County community cares about. We'd love to hear from you about topics you care about. We are always looking for suggestions for future episodes. If you have suggestions, send us an email, info at bentoncountyor.gov. This is the Benton County Public Podcast. It's everyone's responsibility to help prevent human-caused wildfires. It's important to practice basic wildfire safety while visiting Oregon's scenic areas and have awareness of weather conditions, restrictions, and wildfire prevention activities around the state. Prepare your home by creating defensible space. Help prevent wildfires when you're out and about, at home, or at work. 
have an emergency plan, and know your evacuation levels. Sign up for local emergency alerts and warnings at oralert.gov and learn more about how to prevent wildfire at keeporegongreen.org.